Welcome to Grassroot Ohio, conversations with everyday people working on important issues here in Columbus and all around Ohio. I'm Carolyn Harding, and today I'm talking with Tracy and Sean Barnes, flower farmers facing not one, but two imminent asphalt plants on either side of their rural town or village, Alexandria, and next to their farm in St. Albans Township. Tracy Barnes is a mother and a flower farmer with a deep love for the natural world. Along with her husband and three children, she lives and works full-time on their flower farm in Alexandria, Ohio. Before she began farming in 2016, Tracy worked connecting people with plants as a volunteer coordinator and horticulturalist in public gardens. She received her Bachelor of Science degree in agriculture from the Ohio State University, and Tracy's love of travel has taken her around the country and abroad, but the place she loves the best is her home in Alexandria. Sean Barnes has always loved being in nature. His interest in plants drew him to horticulture where he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in agriculture from The Ohio State University. He has worked mainly in public gardens, but got his start working in greenhouses and nursery production. In addition to flower farming with his wife since 2016, he is also a certified arborist with an endless passion for trees and forestry. When Sean is not farming, he is usually spending time with his kids or finding time to travel to the places where he is most at peace, in the woods. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having us. Let's talk about your flower farm in St. St. Albans Township next to, or your relationship to actually Alexandria and St. Albans Township. Let's start with you, Tracy. Hi, well, um, our farm is, we're just under eight acres. We're located in the village of Alexandria, but also part of our farm is in St. Albans Township. Um, we're a little, it's like a little valley. Um, we get lots of fog and um, we have the Raccoon Creek runs by our uh, one side of our farm. Um, we grow annual flowers um, and we sell at farmers markets and wholesale and to florists. And we've been growing since 2016. We started um, and we don't use any pesticides or herbicides um, for or organic. Awesome. How about you, Sean? Talk a little bit about your farm. So when we first came here, it was just a big wide open space with lots of promise. Um, it was pretty much 2015 that we planted the first set of crops to, to grow. And since then we've grown a little bit each year. We've developed a process because we're raising our kids at the same time. So it's been a, a slow growth, but I think in the last couple of years, we've really been able to expand and kind of get to where we've been able to do this full time for ourselves, which was a big deal. Um, I think we both knew when we first moved out here from Columbus that we wanted to to do something in a production sense with the green industry, whether it was growing trees and shrubs or flowers as it ended up. And um, yeah, it's been a really fun sort of a process. There's been a lot of learning along the way and it, it's, it's a sort of grown us as individuals and our horticultural side. So it's been a really good thing for us. It's a small world because I 
was introduced to your flowers last summer at the Bexley Farmers Market, and your flowers are incredibly exquisite and beautiful and and diverse. And so that's just a little plug, but I love your flowers. So people that want to see them can come to the Bexley Farmers Market. (laughs) And are there any other markets you go to? We're at the Granville Farmers Market um, on Saturdays at Raccoon Valley Park. All right. Well, let's give folks an idea of what's going on right now in your community about these asphalt plants that are looming um, in this small little village of 600, around 600 people. Let's start with you, Sean. So this was kind of an interesting situation. It wouldn't have been known to us had it not been through a community member sort of discovering about one of the asphalt plants through a contact with the EPA. He was actually reaching out to discuss some other issues with the same property due to dust and and noise and got word back that, well, you know, there's going to be an asphalt plant there soon. And so that community member decided to put a little flyer out and distribute it in a few places. And we just happened to stumble upon it. And it was kind of surprising because in this community, you, you tend to know things as they're happening, maybe a little bit before, because it's a small community, word gets around quickly. But this was really strange because it had been planned or was in the process of happening uh, for a while. And so we kind of found out on the back end of it. And, you know, as a community, we started reaching out to other people and, and finding out more people knew about this and were worried and sort of intimidated by this idea. So we kind of formed a little group people that wanted to know more, but at the same time wanted to see if there was a way to oppose this situation. Because when you think about having two asphalt plants pretty much within a mile of each other and they're on either end of the village, it starts to kind of scare you, the the prospect of something like that. And since we didn't know much about it at the time, we really dove into the details of what that was going to mean for our community from the sense of the air pollution, potential for water, groundwater contamination, as well as just the overall impact to the well-being of the community. So we we kind of came in late in, in the process, but we feel like we've really come to know a lot more about it. And we are just working to make sure that at this stage in the game, we can either have a community that can do something about this to make sure that asphalt plants are part of the future for Alexandria, um, or that if it's going to be done, it's done the right way with the idea that pr- protects everybody. Tracy, what is most alarming about these asphalt plants for you? What's most alarming is, is their proximity to our water supply, to the water. These are cited in absolute worst place, defies all common sense. One property, the proposed site is actually proposed site of the property is within a flood plain, a flood zone, the 100-year flood zone. It's also on top of a very large underground aquifer. This area floods like crazy. Anyone who lives here knows that when we get rain, even a few inches of rain, it is flooded. Every year, the farm fields are flooding more and more. It's encroaching upon resident houses, roads, this town on 37, the road blew out. They had to 
put in a new culvert. This area is notorious for flooding. We are very concerned about stormwater runoff running into the creek. Uh, the other site of the proposed asphalt plant is also within 200 feet, 250 feet of the Raccoon Valley Creek. Raccoon Creek? Raccoon Creek. Raccoon Creek. Um, the threat to water here is, is the most alarming thing. Beyond just humans drinking this water, this water will feed, or this water goes to residents of Alexandria, St. Albans Township, even Granville. You know, there's also wildlife here. There's bald eagles. We have two pairs of nesting bald eagles that are here and a lot of wildlife. This is, the water is the most alarming thing for me. Second is the air pollution as well. We sit in a little bit of a valley and uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of the weather, but the whenever it's people are burning burn burn piles and wood stoves, the smoke gets trapped. Um, the air pushes it down. It's very, very foggy here and it gets trapped. This air pollution will get trapped in our valley. As I said earlier, our, our farm is in a valley. The town's a little bit in the valley. So we're very concerned about, about the air pollution and the water pollution mostly. Okay, so who is funding these plants? And does it have any connection with Intel's growth? Start with Sean. Uh, so the two different plants are funded by two different companies as we understand it. Um, and it should be included in this that the sites for both asphalt plants will also have a proposed concrete plant operating on each site as well. Uh, I don't know the exact companies that are gonna be doing the concrete work, but I know Sciota Materials is one. The asphalt plants would be Marzane, which as I understand is a subsidiary or arm of the Shelly and Sands company. And then the other one is Shelly Materials. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the two plants, as we understand it, they want to be here because of proximity to Intel. Uh, Intel is probably the site I think uh, as a crow flies, maybe four or five miles uh, with the roads here, it would be probably a five or six mile trip from the sites to the Intel site. Um, and it should also be included that with the asphalt projects, you're probably looking at the uh, expansion of 161. So they're widening 161 from the 270 or I wanna say Hamilton Road bridge area all the way out to 62 was the first proposed part. We had, we've been told that it's actually going to come all the way to either 37 or potentially 16, which is Granville. So you've got a lot of, uh, I mean, it's probably 10 miles or more of roads that would need asphalt as well. So the it looks like what they're trying to do is get in right as this stuff is happening. And so they're kind of trying to get in as fast as possible so they can take part in the process for growing Intel and putting it all together. Um, that's where we kind of came in because we found out how quickly this was ramping up. And as we were discovering the details of it, we started noticing there were some missteps kind of along the way where people were rushing through things without proper permits. And then thankfully, we, our sort of grassroots group 
created enough noise around it that we finally started seeing some action at the county level um, and some other groups that have sort of slowed down the process. So right now where we stand is still kind of, we're waiting, but they did seem to be really in a rush to get going so that they could get over to help the Intel site development. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio. And today I'm talking with Tracy and Sean Barnes. They are flower farmers in Alexandria, Ohio, which is a small village next to Granville, where Denison University is. And there are two imminent asphalt plants that are proposed to be built on either side of this small town, and they are concerned. And I've got a question. Are there other community members that you've gotten to know that are organizing? Let's talk with you, Tracy. Well, I know we have a group here of people here in Alexandria and St. Albans Township, but I also know that there are other people in Granville working. There's, it seems like there's some satellite groups around working on this as well as this, on this opposing the asphalt plants. We have some contact with them, but I imagine there's people still that are working but aren't connected to us yet. We have our a, um, a page on Facebook, the Clean Air and Water for Saint for Alexandria and St. Albans Facebook, and that's where we our group has been sharing all factual. Uh, everything is that we're posting is factual information for community members to know, to become aware and to learn things. And then through that page, we are getting more people interested from just beyond, for example, from at the Granville, people are becoming interested and um, stepping up more to be active participants in this. If this asphalt plant is um, permitted and built, would it, could it perhaps impact Granville's water supply? Sean, I yeah. Would, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What the way this uh, water situation has sort of worked out, uh, Granville pulls their water from wells that are in the aquifer underneath Raccoon Creek. And it's a pretty large aquifer. And because of the geology of this area, during the last ice age, the edge of the glacier sat over this area. So we actually sit in over a large gravel deposit area and the water underneath there is, is moving from sort of the east to the west and it's a gigantic aquifer. They get their water in Granville from there and it brings it, uh, I think they have a municipal contract with Alexandria so that Alexandria gets their drinking water from the uh, Granville uh, pumping station. So the potential for contamination seems pretty great. And if you add up a lot of the projects that are coming along with the Intel development, there's a potential water treatment facility that would be on the west end of the village by about a couple miles away. That would be discharging uh, into a run that leads into Raccoon Creek. You would have the two asphalt plants with the potential for runoff. And like Tracy said, the fact that one of the asphalt plants is in the floodway. The other one is just adjacent to the floodway and sits on a slope that aims down towards Raccoon Creek. So the stormwater could potentially contaminate Raccoon Creek. And as I point out, the gravel base, just it's a very porous soil. It, it rains and we get lots of floods here, uh, like Tracy was saying, but 
that water can can also rise up from the bottom. We've had we have a well, and normally the switch that starts the process of turning the pump on is buried below grade. So if it freezes, you know, outside, you can still run that well because it's down in there insulated. We have had three switches blown because the water table will creep up so high that now we have to keep our switch uh, a foot and a half above grade in order to avoid it being submerged. So the water table is constantly sort of shifting and moving. Uh, so there's a lot of permeability, a lot of potential water contamination issues from all three of those facilities. So I heard that the recent Board of Zoning Appeals meeting was heated, that um, citizens were upset. And what power does this board have regarding the plants? Who wants to talk? Uh, I'll go go ahead. Uh, Just because the the zoning has been a really interesting thing for us. We've learned a whole lot in the last month about how zoning works in Ohio and how it sort of works for townships. But the Board of Zoning Appeals is essentially going to be in the process of approving the applications that would come in for conditional use uh, required for these asphalt plants because the zoning that they have is right now permitted of mining and that's related to a lot of the asphalt and concrete stuff that they do. But they need a conditional use permit for something like asphalt and that goes through the Board of Zoning Appeals. The BZA can vote on it, yes or no. And um, there's a lot of stuff within the Ohio Revised Code that they consider in, in that process. And from there, it's just a matter of what decision is made. If it's approved, there can be an appeal. Uh, and an appeal would then go to, I believe it's the Common Pleas Court here locally uh, for the county. And then uh, vice versa. If it was denied, then it could be appealed by the company uh, that wants to appeal it, I think, to the same obviously to the same place, the common police court. So the BZA sort of is the one who can start the process of, of approving and denying it. And, and it goes from there, whether or not it's appealed. And we, we're hopeful that the BZA can see some of the stuff that allows it to, um, what, what would allow for a denial in this sort of process uh, with things like how it's going to impact the community at large and the potential for hazard or nuisance that could be caused. So we're, we're just waiting on when that that application would be filed. Okay, Tracy, there was some conflict of interest, right? In some of the um, members of the uh, BZA, weren't there? Um, the Not the BZA. Um, well, I both. There was, a. we believe there's a conflict of interest between one of the members on the zoning commission who was the owner of the property that the proposed asphalt site was on and then the second person is a member of the bza the board of zoning appeals who was the property owner of the second proposed site of the asphalt plant um yes a major conflict of interest considering nobody heard anything about these plants going in and then suddenly we hear about them going in in the two properties that these two people hold um, who are members of the St. Albans Township. 
it goes further into it that one board member or one person on the zoning commission was actually a public record is actually in violation of the zoning resolutions that this person is sworn to uphold. So that, that was a major concern. Got it. Um, Sean, did I say everything or is there anything <laughs> else? Yeah, that's a, that's pretty much yeah. sums it up. Well, I have a personal investment in that area because um, I have a family member who works at several barns out there. I also own a horse on Northridge Road and and then have another um, interest in a barn across 161. So this impacts my family and, um, and the water and also the air. So last night I went to the township trustee meeting and it was packed, packed. Yeah. Really but well. the trustees didn't want, they didn't want any conflict. So they told <laughs> folks that they had to put their questions online. So they didn't really take many questions. A few people got a few questions answered, but there were several people that um, had some literature and they passed it around. And these seemed like people that were definitely concerned. And I found it very interesting. Some of the information about these asphalt plants, like the paving company has a history of violating EPA permits with water and air. Oh, yeah. They have. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I'm no. just, I've got a list there. It's going to be a large scale manufacturing operation, not a small. And the production of 3 million tons per year with surface area of 15 acres. And it'll run for 24, 7, 20 hour, 24 hours, seven days a week for 300 days a year mm-hmm. and require 385 trucks per day to haul out asphalt continuously. And they'll need water for dust suppressant. And where does that come from? It's a noisy, bright, smoky, heavy industrial operation. And they say a bag house, which I don't know what that means, will collect particulate uh, matters from the mixer, but no other air pollutant. It won't take out the sulfur dioxide, nitrogen oxide, the volatile organic compounds, or carbon monoxide. And there's just a few more. No capture of blue smoke from the silos of hot asphalt. And the quarry pond used for the industry will, they'll take water and they'll, the runoff, they'll return, which is en route to this aquifer and private water wells. So that, that's, if that list is verified information, which I think it is, that's scary. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And we were lucky to find out, we, we attended a, a planning commission technical review committee uh, meeting about this one plant that was going to be 15 acres because I believe the information that you're reading off specifically pertains to the large plant which was one of the properties and that one is in the floodplain. Uh, it's a gravel pit that they they believe is 30 or 40 feet deep so the potential there for contamination is great because you're talking about all the ash all the residue sediment was going to be pumped into this this former quarry and it's, it's in direct contact essentially with the aquifer at that stage. Uh, we were glad to hear that the technical review committee brought up that that was probably gonna be unacceptable in their planning because of that specific issue, as well as some modifications were made to the floodplain on that property. And that's where this property stands. It's sort of in limbo right now. Well, I wouldn't say limbo, it's on pause due to the fact that the site itself was altered before the application and it's not in compliance with the floodplain. 
So they did not seek a FEMA permit. So speaking to the violations that have happened uh, with some of these companies, before this company took this site, this site was in violation for modifying the floodplain and didn't submit the proper request to do so to FEMA. And there's, there's a whole process with the developments in these floodplains, but the technical review committee did point out that that would not be acceptable to put a sediment catch in that quarry, that they'd have to actually build uh, specifically dedicated sediment catch uh, ponds, I guess. Well, if these plants are permitted, how will it impact your family farm, your schools, your village? Let's talk about that. Tracy. It's going to turn our lives upside down for sure. I don't know. I don't know what we would do if we would try to just sell and leave. I mean, we we came to Alexandria because we wanted to live here. We've lived here for eight years. I don't have to live in a place my entire life to know that I love it and I want to fight for it like we are now. We've worked, we've put everything into this farm, every penny, every blood, sweat, and tears into this farm to build it. The thought of leaving this and starting over, I, it would, it would really impact us and we would have to make some major decisions as a family, as a community. You know, we're a small village, around 600 people. We're a rural community around here. You know, we, we like living here. We like the rural lifestyle. We are farmers where you don't have to be not, not just farmers. I mean, we, we choose Alexandria because this is the lifestyle we want. We love the land. There's an emotional attachment to this land, to this prime farmland, beautiful parks, um, wildlife. We, I don't know. It's, it would really, really devastate the village. It would. And I don't, I don't know. I can't speak to the schools. I don't know. But, you know, as Northridge, we're in the Northridge school district. So, um, you know, I don't know how it would affect, but I don't know if we would move or not, but we're already considering the idea. And I never thought, I thought I'd just die here. (laughs) Sean, we have one more minute. Can you just tell folks what you want, ask what you want from the listeners and, and give us an idea of what you're going to do? Um, well, we just want people to understand that, you know, something like this is as a development, it may be a part of what's necessary for the Intel development to be put together, but they should also understand how big of a disruption to the lifestyle it is for the communities around Intel. You know, it may be a big project that promises a lot of economic development, but it's, it's the people out here, as Tracy said, we live out here because we sought the lifestyle. Uh, we sought this area. We we lived in Columbus for many years, and we sought this out as we were starting a family and looking for an option for us to grow our farm and pursue our dream of having our own business. And so to think that the increased traffic, the potential for air pollution, the water pollution, all of that stuff combined, it's just such a disruption to the lifestyle that we saw. And it it just doesn't seem to fit with the community that it's coming into. And we'd like to see other options explored and to see the asphalt plants find better sites that are more suited for this. All right. As Margaret Mead said, the esteemed cultural anthropologist, 
Never doubt that a small group of thoughtful, committed individuals can change the world. In fact, it's the only thing that ever has. So my advice to you is to stand up, organize, and fight back. Because industry will take everything they can get, and they will not, they will not take care of your water, air, and soil, and your lifestyle. So it's up to you, and it's all up to all of us. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk here with you. All right. While we're moving our radio tower, you can stream Grassroot Ohio on Fridays at 5 p.m. at www.wgrn.org and on Sundays at 2 p.m. at www.wcrsfm.org. When we're up and running, WGRN's new ID will be 91.9 FM. And you can also find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back. Come down, come down, come down.